。看来我们只能靠自己了。地球错失了最后的一个机会。这座公寓不是庇护所。我觉得旁边的二货人哪在你们娱乐？Hi everyone, and welcome to Middle Earth, your source for insight into China cultural industry, how the cultural business works in that part of the world, told by the one who are in the trenches of creation, production, and distribution. I'm your host, Aladdin Fare from CraftyPandas.com, and this show is a member of the Cineca Network. How does LGBT and feminism stories place into China mainstream media? The country has stories of emperor and general being openly gay, and it was only in the 17th century that homosexuality became illegal. Three centuries later, in 1997, it becomes legal again. Gay marriage is still not accepted in mainland China, nor is it in Japan, South Korea, or Vietnam. So far, Taiwan is the only place in Asia that accepts equal marriage on a large scale. As for the place of women in society, for thousands of years they were not equal to men, and if after the creation of the PRC the country was celebrating the Iron Girl and cheering slogan like "Women on half the skies," when the country reopened in the 80s, it seems there were a push for girls to focus on having babies and not too much on being independent. You might wonder how does this subject fit into this show, usually focused on media and culture. In 1993, the movie *Farewell, My Concubine* by Chong Kai-gyu won the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Festival and had homosexuality theme. And funny thing, that's the only Chinese film that ever won that prize. Then there were other movies like *East Palace, West Palace* in 1997, *Men and Women* in 1999, or the 2016 series *Shangyin: Addicted or Hooked*, which was ranking number two on Aikiyi. But the show got cancelled, surely because on December 2015, the China Television Drama Production Industry Association posted new guidelines. In brief, you cannot show quote abnormal relationship behavior such as incest, same-sex relationship, perversion, sexual assault, and violence. After this long introduction, the question is: What's left for people who want to talk about, let's call it, non-traditional love? To talk about this, I'm joined today by Satcher. Yes, you work at the Beijing LGBT Center where you run the transgender program. Before that, you worked in a startup which made a meeting app for lesbian. Next to that, you were also doing a podcast about LGBT theme. And due to having too much fans, things got complicated, so the <laughs> company preferred to shut itself down and move out too of Shanghai. Yeah, <laughs> too much fun. Then Wei Xiaogong, you graduated at the Xinjiang Art Institute and the Shanghai Drama Academy. After you worked. As a stage and film direct director, mostly on projects benefiting different social movement in China. Then, in 2007, you started the LGBT webcast Queer Comrade. You reached millions of people by creating shows that documented queer culture. And right now, they are the executive director of the NGO Beijing Gender. And Evangeline Z, you are a feminist activist and a social innovator. Yes. You founded a program called Nuli Femploi, which interviews females who work in a male-dominated industry.、Mm -hmm. You also produce stand-up comedy shows and rap to promote feminism via performance. That's me. As the majority of the people listening to this show are in Europe and North America, I think they kind of lack the background of. What is the society view love? What is the view in mainstream media and television? Like, how do they portray love? I think for me to think about like、uh, the family, I think Chinese family. You know, we have we just ended our forty years like one child policy as a family in China. I think marriage is really really important. I think that's why LGBT people and also with the people who 
don't want to marry is facing a lot of pressure. Like you keep being pushed by your parents and grandparents and family about you have to get married. You know, in the gay community, we talk about this kind of like a fake marriage. You know, sometimes like a like a gay man and uh, like a lesbian woman, they try to form a family to kind of like give their parents an answer about like, okay, we'll, we'll get married. But actually, I heard a story. Actually, there's some like a. A street women, they're also looking for the gay guy to get married because they get also pressured. Yeah, we always talk about sexual orientation, but I do think that everyone has an orientation that you have to walk on this road, and、uh, if you don't want to get married, someone will drag you back. If you don't want to have a baby, someone will drag you back. No matter for heterosexual or homosexual people. We always face this pressure, even though that we can't get married. Your parents will ask you to find partners at least. You have to find someone to live with. Otherwise, it seems that you are not yourself. Like for parents, yeah, that's what they think. I think there are two aspects to like the expectation of a family. One is you gotta reproduce. You gotta have. Kids in China we call that 传宗接代 which means you have to keep your genes carry on because we focus a lot on like the the honor of the family, especially the big family with like all the people in history. So like I think that's actually the priority. It's and what comes second is to have、uh, his his like heterosexual marriage because that's the way that you raise kid. But it actually come. Kind of come second to the first one because I think the mainstream is like partly shaped by the tradition and also by the policy of the government. And for government, it's all about population control. So right now, actually, I actually recently heard a, a stand-up comedian. I think he gave this like very funny conclusion. He said, if homosexual couples all agree to have two children. By like <laughs> through that like the tube thing, the tube testing thing, then homosexual marriage will soon be equalized. So like I think the for the modern like the current Chinese society, it's more about having that kiss than having a long term partner. And I just had this conversation with my grandma, who I barely talk to because we live in different cities. But like he, she just kind of like. At start dropping in this this new question in our like frequent communication, like have you got a boyfriend yet? And she doesn't really know what I'm doing at all, and she doesn't understand. But this like ever since I turned twenty four ish, she's starting asking me that question. So it's just kind of like like a formula. Yeah, that really explains a lot. And we see the pressure comes from the family. Now, the main point of my question is: Do you see this pressure also coming in movies, in advertisement, in TV series? Yeah, that's good question. I found out that、uh, in some TV shows, it seems that these two people,、um, the two characters, they separated, and the, the final cut is that they get married again. It's always that, like that. the The ending is always like happy ending and have a family, have a baby together. They try to show different perspectives in the TV show. But in the end, here's always、um, only one opinion. I think, like first, it's like in the recent times because of the censorship thing. Like it's really up to the government about what they want to show. And also, have heard that the newest policy is like you can't even talk about affairs 
which is like super common like in daily lives. So like this has got a lot more restrictive than before. But like in like in probably ten years ago, there have been like more complicated TV dramas where people talk about like divorce and like two. Remarried couple raising all of their kids all together. There was a sitcom called Jiayu Arnu when like the parents they're just kind of like taking care of the kids in turns. It's been on and off. Like sometimes it become very restrictive and sometimes it's like kind of flexible, but like it still have that happy ending feel that Sachi said that it's all about like harmony. It's like one one thing that we really emphasize in China is "hua," which means creating a friendly environment to raise the kids. I don't really watch a lot of TV, but when you watch TV, actually, I don't know. I never see a happy ending. Like you know, for example, all those kind of like very famous television show, like those、uh, from Qing Dynasty. There's never have a really happy ending, and also in the story, all about like one man have like a thousand wives. But one thing is really important: they always try to get more babies. For me to see this, I don't think they really talk about the love a lot. They're More to talk about the responsibility、mm. and this family value and responsibility are so important, and also this very complex, like you know, all the family how they're supporting each other in a really power、mm. weird power way. I think that's kind of like really really important things in China television. They don't really show a lot like how they fall in love, how they, you know, using love words to to. I don't see this a lot. This is more like the whole like very family structure, how the family power. Yeah, I totally agree. I think they. There's like TV series that always choose the family responsibility over romantic relationship. The romantic romantic part is kind of short term, usually portrayed as like just like something like enthusiastic, but doesn't last long. So like that's the drama. You know, every drama has the conflict. So that's usually the conflict, but the conflict got resolved by everyone return to their family. What do you think is the audience response to it? Perhaps for Chinese people, they really care about. 家国 it always linked together. 家 means family, 国 means country. If you want to show something like, uh, from uh, history, the Qing Dynasty, or uh about uh, domestic war or something like that, they always show country first. But I don't think it means that you only can produce this kind of TV shows. They just want to. Emphasize 家国 this term. Yeah. Also, the thing about like cultural product is like right now people don't watch TV anymore. Like Xiao Gang, like we watch internet shows, and、mm-hmm. I think it has also happened in like America when people watch like Amazon. So like on on the internet, actually, uh, you know, so like in China we have like. This culture when people like they will kind of make cuts of their favorite TV series, like unpost them on websites like Bilibili when they kind of cut off all of those parts parts they like, and those parts are usually the conflict parts, like the small minor storyline of those mainstream part. For example, there was a a TV called it was really weird. It's called like Old Husband. <laughs> Yeah, and it's about an older man and a younger woman. They they were a couple, and how like they they were like doubted by their surrounding people, and but then they they kind of end up together still happily ever after. But like people weren't so fan of this couple because it's so weird. Like the, the age difference is weird. But like people actually they they really had a fever with this other couple, which is like a side role, which is an older woman and a younger man. And yeah, it's like pretty rare and fresh, and also pretty feminist to many people. So there have been a lot of cuts and discussion on the internet about these people, and also on like on the internet there have been like、uh, LGBT themed 
shows that become very popular were like younger age, like campus love, like what we call like zaolian, like when you were underage and you were like kind of like making secret relationship on campus by hiding away from parents and teachers. So like I feel like these kind of topics. More realistic ones, they actually have a place on the internet, and also they have earned the market support. But it's just very hard to show them ever on TV because that's highly controlled by the government. Then maybe I didn't do my homework well enough. But for example, the web series that I was talking about, Shangyin, Hooked,、mm-hmm. uh, oh. this one got stopped, and it was online. So I guess whether you're on TV and if you're online, in the end, if you cross too much line, it's not going to、mm. work. Yeah. It depends on how much you cross the line,、um, or how popular you are. So sometimes、right. you know,、that's、there's、right. a lot of shows you, about LGBT always online, but because they're not popular enough, so it's not get attention. It's really depending like、uh, the quality about like how much the investment, how much the branding is. This is kind of also like Shangyin. They're like a very kind of like professional like way they made the whole like a TV series. So I think that's why I think you know they get good actors, good promoting. So they get also kind of very. Famous about it, I think. But after that, it's true. And with the new regulations, sort of like they push very hard. So I think almost now all like a LGBT related show was、uh, was kind of like a、uh, put off from like、uh, internet. Yeah. But I think there's like a very interesting product that come out from this intense censorship and like smart way of showing LGBT topic, which is like this like fu wenhua, like the the culture that we got from Japan, and it's like it used to be a very small subculture, but ever since the younger generation become the mainstream on the internet, it has got a lot more popular. So right now, almost every single、um, internet series, they will. Arrange some sort、mm. of subtle men love line, like、mm-hmm. in the story. Usually, they were portrayed as like brothers, but like you、oh, can、yeah. tell that they are totally arranging something romantic and sexy in there.、Mm. So like it's kind of like a secret code to the audience. So that's why people are like, yeah, I, I sense that. Like my gaydar just rang, but like to them, they are they are like strategic enough that. When they like brand themselves, or like when they were like showing the story, they don't make it too apparent that the censorship would detect right away. And also, it's subtle. I think the censorship also don't care that much because it created like a boundary for certain people. It's like for people like us, we will get it and we、we'll、enjoy it. Then for the other people, probably they will just enjoy it as well by just seeing them as like heteros, regular brothers or something. Do you have any example to give? Name of shows like all of the recent ones have been like that. Okay, I I just watched a cartoon called "Mo Dao Zhu Shi." Its background is history, the Chinese history, and the, the two characters are two boys, and they don't show any any intimacy actions or feelings, but you can say that yeah, they are a couple. Yeah, and there's also this term called CP, like like so like 镇魂 CP. It's like oh, oh oh what's happening is like all of the most recent shows they have been what we call IP, and IPs are like these novels that people have written and posted online, kind of like this podcast. So it's like very grassroots and like it really reflect a lot a lot on people's like curiosity about what like romantic but not too sexual way. So it's it's probably not realistic to like gay. People that this is how they live, but like it has also kind of opened up people's mindset about like you don't have to be with 
people from different gender, and there's also something beautiful just among men or just among women. 就是关于同性恋这个问题啊, on the issue on homosexuality, I thought that everyone was heterosexual, that there is only homosexuality in Western countries. In China, this may not be true love, rather just a fashionable way of life to copy the West. I used to think this way until I learned that my daughter is in love with Dian Dian. After that, I got to know many gays and lesbians. This made me change my mind. And that was uh, an extract of the trailer of Mama Rainbow. We have the producer here to- today. So Wei Xiaogong, when you made that film uh, with Fan Popo, the director, can you talk a little bit about this? Just as a, for the audience. So Mama Rainbow is a documentary around 30 minutes, uh, which is about parents of gay people in China that comes with the discovery of their children being openly gay? We made this film because I think that just, that was, uh, you know, the, this whole like parents, um, gay parents, lesbian parents are start like, uh, you know, being very kind of like how to say uh, active in China. So, and I also feel like, you know, uh, we have to kind of like, uh, how to say, sometimes the Parents' issues is much easier issues to like other people get get linked to. If you hear from like a, a LGBT people, they just don't understand what you're talking about. But maybe from a parents, they feel like okay, let's hear what these parents think about their kids being LGBT. So I think that's like the uh, the background. And then we did this. I think is uh, is really interesting because the first time we did this, uh, mostly are all like moms. I think mom you can see in the early age, like uh, early time is like uh, they're much m- more easier accepting their kids being LGBT compared to the dad. I think this is uh, the film is really successful. I like the, they're being shown. Uh, I think it's over like uh, I don't know ten or twenty film festival around the world, and also have a million like you know viewers in China. Yeah, like you said, this is a really famous video, but that's one of the many videos that you produced. Yes, well, we start like 2007, uh, do the talk show and to kind of like talk about LGBT issues because that's before there's very little image like uh, videos or films about LGBT. And also we see mostly portray LGBT are in a very kind of a little bit like a sad or like a, like a, how to say this kind of tragic ending. So we just think about it, we want to see We want to show people LGBT also have like, you know, a very variety, like, you know, like the faces. So, you know, we want to show like uh, audience like, okay, they do have a tragic story, but they also have happy story. So that's what, what we start like doing in the talk show. Yeah, I just want to add something very quickly. Uh, in fact, this film is about two hours, but uh, and now you just can watch 30 minutes clips. Uh, on the internet, but uh, thankfully I got the DVD. So when I came out to my mom, I showed the video. It was very important. Yeah, because when my mom cried and watched the film, uh, watched the documentary at the same time, I feel my mom really gradually calmed down and accepted this thing. 
And finally, she told me that I understand here is a group of people like you, and they are homosexuality or whatever. And、um, perhaps I can't accept immediately, but I will try to accept gradually. So I really think this is great film, great documentary. It's help. It helps people a lot. Good to hear. <laughs> Actually, we do have a two version. One is like online version, so like thirty minutes, because、mm-hmm. we tr- feel like you know people wa- watching things online. If you put too long, and they won't finish it. So we and we have a movie version that was like about like over one hour. But you know that so many people are friends ask me if they can get the whole version because they think it's more helpful. Yeah, perhaps later you can put it. Okay. <laughs> How was it to produce and shoot that film? Was it easy? You could just like put your camera wherever you want and then try to broadcast it wherever you wanted. Because you know, I didn't really、uh, how to say in all like、uh, you know filming part,、uh, participant filming part.、Uh, for what I know, is、uh, is quite easy because mostly f-、uh, filming is inside the house. So I think most job is like finding a mom to travel to there, talk to them, get the story out. For what I know, we didn't run to any trouble to making this film. But this film being、uh, put off like、uh, you know from internet by the authority. Yeah. Because this is interesting. When you look for LGBT film and documentary in China, this film is the one that always comes back. Fan Popo, the director, is being interviewed by absolutely everyone, and I think the story is really interesting. When your, if I understand, the film is taken down, and then Fan Popo takes a lawyer and he goes to attack the Sarft to tell them why did you censor me? It's okay, you can censor me, but tell me why. And then in the end, you never had an official explanation. Yeah. And now this department is not existing anymore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe you can talk with their successors.、Um, Evangeline, you are making, as I can call it, a feminist stand-up show、uh, that you organized in Beijing.、Uh, when I was pre-interviewing you before this podcast, and I was asking you because the show was mainly just was entirely in English, and I asked you, will you do the same kind of show in Chinese? You told me no because the audience they would just don't understand. They would not get it. Could you explain why? I don't think I say like absolutely no. It's、okay. more like I'm still trying to like see what are the possibilities. Because I think like even with English ones, it really it's not just that the performers are female and LGBT, but also usually the audience are from that community too, and it's a small community still. And I have actually like done similar pieces in Shanghai in an open mic when the majority of the audience were just women who showed up after work, and I was like kind of trying out my feminist materials, and I totally bombed. And I knew that I usually wouldn't bomb in like Beijing, so I think to the public, in English or Chinese, it's still a sensitive topic, but like in English because it's like the. It's a global language, so there have been like different kind of like experiments or like、uh, artwork that have explored that direction. Like there's like Tignotaro, not 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 Notaro, and like a lot of famous comedians that have come out of the closet and start talking about their awkward experience being the the sexual minority or being a feminist. So like I have I got a lot of inspirations from them, but in Chinese. There haven't been many people who have done similar things, so it's hard for me to start doing it. And I, I also recently I have known that there have been some other、uh, female comedian that started to 
to like write a lot more about topics that's serious. So it's not just about like going with the patriarchy to like objectify themselves and like objectify other people and like making fun of gay people. People are started to try out what is it like to mock at the the patriarchy, like the the arrogant white men, like all of yeah, like the. <laughs> Yeah, the privileged ones. So, like, I think this is still going on, and it's actually just starting. But it's like for me, I am still struggling with like be funny in Chinese, because I'm still trying to find that that sense of humor in this in the context. It's kind of hard to do it in Chinese. It's my mother tongue, so I feel like I have a lot of restrictions from it. Like I had a joke saying like in English, I'm this like. Slightly badass, cause I can just like say whatever without feeling anything. But in Chinese, I'm uptight because I was raised to not to say certain words. You know, it really interests me about like sometimes I I do think in certain things if I say in English, even my English is not good, but I can see some things if I say English, it doesn't make sense. But when I really try to say those things in Chinese, and it. Somehow it's just really hard for people to understand because the thing is first I think maybe because you know like、uh, when you speak other language you don't take a lot of responsibility <laughs> because、yes. you know, there's no there's no culture like a background to to kind of hold your back.、Uh, second, I think sometimes it just also. For example, there are certain on the human rights language, gender sexuality. They being dominating those language being dominating by the I would say English for like a long time. But you don't know how to translate, how you localize those things in China in Chinese. I think this is a challenge for us. I think which is also important thing we have to do. How to you like more like a main like how to say normalize the, and localizing those language, human rights language, gender sexuality language in China, and to let people understand what we talk about. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's already hard to talk about like sex. In 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 Chinese stand up world and like politics, not to say like take a very liberal standpoint in those subjects. That's like level two now, and I'm barely level one yet. But there actually are some performers who have been able to do that, and I'm learning from them. And what about the economy of those show? You will do a show once every few months because I guess if you can just make a show in Beijing, that's not a lot of people you can tap into. Yeah, it's kind of like a personal struggle I had. It's like. I can do the same show in a by after a small improvement again, but like I I think in in Beijing it's such a small market for like just the English audience. So like I would prefer to do Chinese ones, and I'm not able to do that yet because of my ability. But like I knew that it's it's not off the table. It's just like in my in my agenda. That's really make me think of one another thing. Is like actually in China we have this art form called Xiangsheng. Before the ninety forty nine, Xiangsheng is so popular because it is a very few way that like、uh, you know people, normal people can heard about politics, heard about criticizing about empires, about like、uh, you know about officials, you know. But I think because after you know we have this all the censorship things, the Xiangsheng is start become like you know. Only mocking the very kind of poor people, you know, people with disable, and you know, because they lost the the important like、uh, the soul of like the what, power, what, the power existing. So this is why Xiangsheng now is kind of like a, getting really boring because.
because even like a, some people say, oh, this is kind of like dying. Of course, you know, if you this is if this is you lost the soul of this like art performance, you're going to die because you know. I don't want to hear two people standing there like mocking like disabled people or like a people with like how to say like CC people. You know, like you don't want to hear this all the time. But now it is sometimes you feel like、uh, those things happening a lot. Yeah, but also like coming from an artist perspective, I think it's I wouldn't blame the artist. It's actually up to the audience. Like like just I said, like the audience are still mocking at. The disabled, the LGBT people, like like for example, like on stage, gay people were like transgender people were like men who, who have like a feminine kind of way of moving are always seen as a comedic character. People always laugh. It's just kind of in their natural reaction, and it's very very hard to like, to stop that and start to make them think deeper. It's possible, but it's just kind of hard. I require certain strategy. We are fighting against censorship so that we can become more mainstream and go to like bigger platform. And also, second, we're also fighting with the audience and trying to make them kinder, make them more open-minded. A few months down the line, after you have been stopped procrastinating and you translated perfectly your joke from English to Chinese, then you, when you go to Hangzhou,、uh, Zhangzhou, Nanjing, and even maybe like a really smaller city, all the way to Gansu Province, do you think the audience they will come to see a feminist show? I wouldn't really call it a feminist show if I go to those regions. Okay, it's more like I would become very good performer. And then people would want to come and see my shows, and then I would try to like take some of my personal opinions into my shows, but also influence them in a in a kind of indirect way, so they would actually buy in my ideas. Then think, okay, she is just being a crazy feminist bitch now. And also that's kind of cool in a way because for comedy, like it's it's boring if it's easy. Like it's it's like when life gets hard and things get weird, that's when com comedian things happens. Because of that, I'm now so struggling about like all of this like very intense situation, but mostly trying to take out the comedic materials from it. Then what about the podcast, Sachi, that you are doing? Can you tell us a bit more about this? Yes,、um, like last year I was in Shanghai. We had this、uh, LGBT related podcast. Uh, the Chinese name is 不直 so it's the curve podcast, which means that we are not straight. Yeah, and、um, it was so nice. It happened、uh, since 2015, and we have three hosts in total. We talk about different aspects related to LGBT, like relationship, healthcare. We joke around. Uh, like thirty minutes every day, but suddenly,、uh, in this year's March, we were cut off by local policemen and a civil of civilization office, I think, in Shanghai. And they just、uh, came to us, say that, "Hey, we listen to your podcast, and this, this, and that. It's not legal.、Uh, you shouldn't do that." So, can you give us an example of what is not legal? Oh, something like we 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 talk about foreign news, like、uh, eco marriage in Germany, for example, and just、uh, two or three sentences, very quick. But they heard that this told us that、uh, you are not allowed to give foreign news if you don't have 
kind of certificate you didn't register, then we have to stop, close the application. We used to have a dating application, and it was very small, about I think two hundred, two hundred thousand fans. Not much in China, in fact, but、uh, they found out we have this live streaming in the application, and they found out we have our podcast in the application. This told us it's also not allowed. So, do you ask them what which part they like? <laughs> <laughs> Support for this week's show comes from Brattle Street Educational Counseling. Stressed out about college applications? Brattle Street Educational Counseling can help. They provide guidance throughout the whole process and offer workshops for students looking to work in small groups at a rigorous pace. The workshops include hours of one-on-one -on -one attention, from college essays to standardized test prep to interviewing and applications. Brattle Street offers support for any student. Brattle Street B R A W T L E Street dot com. Helping you get where you want to go. Yeah, I just told you that we have one episode about the media censorship.、Uh, we talk about Rainbow Media Award, and、uh, we joked around about what happens、uh, related to censorship. So I guess it's also annoying them. They think it's yeah, it's too much. You know, I try to find a a little bit positive way to see this actually. Our work is start getting a little like visibility,、mm -hmm. like you know they start censor this in this very kind of like detailed way. I think that means we're getting in their like radar, which is good as a visibility part. But it's next big question for us like how we continue, not just like a, you know one by one being taken down, but how we can continue says okay we we still can give the voice. To them and to the audience, I think now I think we're we we kind of、like、struggle on this part because now it's basically everyone had problem like okay now they know who we are what do we do and、uh, we kind of like we cannot do this anymore but、uh, I think it's it is important part to think about how we use art as a as a like channel to talk about、uh, those issues yeah yeah so one thing that I have always believed in and still kind of hold is like. I don't think the government is targeting feminist and LGBT people. Like for example, they have the the women's department when there's like Women's Day and everything, and they all have also kind of like posted the anti-sexual harassment advertisement on Subway. It's more like they don't trust any grassroots level work. Even though we are trying to do the same thing, so I think the key is to to gain the trust. And also trying to find the common ground to work together, and I knew that has been a lot harder in the recent times when the the trust is kind of like get, getting destroyed completely when they just decide to shut down everything. But I think there's still kind of this like space that you can you can kind of work with. I don't think they're like try to directly harm the people, but I think this the other way is.、Uh, they don't like to be challenged. My understanding, I think, like feminist issues and LGBT issues. In their eyes, is slightly different. I think because you know, I think now because a lot cracking down on the feminist movement because they do have a policy 
妇女 and women. So they don't want the other people to challenge them. So we already have our plans, but who you are to tell us our plans not right? But I think this is not right. This movement so important because even they put all like anti-sex harassment in the detail. It's because not because Fulian. It's because there's so、uh, so many NGOs are pushing this. Fulian doesn't push a lot on this. I think it's because you you have this two way to do it. I think because NGOs are pushing and Fulian. And just took this sort of like as a Fulian is women's department, women union. At this stage, I wouldn't really like expect the government to do what we want. It's more like my expectations for them to not shut us down. So for me, it's more like I think we keep doing what we want to do, but we don't. Yeah, we we don't make it sound too revolutionary to the government, because、mm. that also strategy. We have more strategy on this. Yes, because、yeah. the public also marginalize us if we. Were seeing us too rebellious, so I think it's like a strategy to work with both the government and the public to to more finding the common ground and show how it's affecting all of us and just a, a small group of people trying to change the world to their own way. Yeah. Yes, please, not too much revolutionary things on this podcast. <laughs>、oh, okay. It happens in 1949, not a not after. Yeah, personally, I think. Uh, it's very important to reach to understanding. We've met some policemen, and、uh, they do try to be polite and try to understand us as well. Like for this year's fundraising, the three days we even got funds, got money from、uh, our policemen, the the policemen who censored. The area, so I think what you said, we we shouldn't push too hard to them, but we try to teach them and educate them. But I see, you know, I'm not saying you know one this way or the other way. I think this is,、uh, I think for us, we have to keep in mind is like,、uh, if you want to be the critical voice, you always have to see the part who they if something that not done enough. I think sometimes, of course, a cooperation, you know, could is is all a strategy. But importantly, is、uh, I think I'm just standing in NGO part. I think as NGO, of course, this、uh, working with them, not working with them, is also part of like how we push our like vision to them. I think in in certain issues, I think it have to be criticized this this government, and it's not just because they give you a little bit something candy and can. Take away my power to criticize them. I think this is part. Sometimes is hard. Of course, I think in China sometimes to talk about this is difficult because you know people even free to talk about how am I going to criticize our government. I think we're try to. I think also for us also try to how we can make people more freer to how take the free out of people to criticize. Have have a have a freedom to be you know not afraid of like to say anything they want. I think now we're so far from this stage. I think most people either kind of like I don't want to talk politics because this is nothing you know about me. You know I, I don't really like politics. All politics are bad, but that's not the way to 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 think about it. I think for me, yeah. Before we move on to the end of the show, I had one question to you, Xiao Gong. So you've been doing videos and shows and documentary for the past ten years, eleven years now. What do you think about that decade of making media? 
Is there any conclusion to this? Are are you proud? You should you there was more to do? Do you think you touch enough people? No, I don't think we're touch enough people. I think uh, that's why before I said, you know, we're not famous enough to be canceled. So. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think first of course we have to continue doing it and also second we have to keep change the formula because you know I think the time is changing people are changing what kind of people like to watch it's always different so we also have to be more flexible says okay before we did a talk show and after we did documentary and then after we're supporting other like filmmaker making documentary and now we're training filmmaker to make a documentary and now we do some kind of like a, a small geeks and about like a you know more like a funny and uh, like a, this kind of uh, very entertainment things We we'll just try to find different way to reach our audience, all or just pass our message. I would guess the budget is that your NGO has a budget. From that, you make those TV shows and documentary, and then you don't make money out of that. You're not selling it abroad. You're no. not making. It's all for free online. People can watch. Yeah, I, I think like this is all what we call like a PGC content or like UGC content. Even with the more famous, more successful, and they hadn't been able to just sell the content for money. It's usually like they, when they got famous, they start raising money by making advertisements. But like I think with Xiaogong, I totally agree with that because that's something I'm trying recently too. Because stand up, I mean, stand up is still new to China, but I also have found it a little bit outdated. Because right now it's all about internet and it's hard to show a full stand up. Stand up is more for like live shows, and there has been like like what's your gonna say like the gigs, the sketches, and also like some very small like very short productions like what we do on Douyin, a very famous Chinese app right now. I have watched a lot of videos recently for my work for always like new, like what we call Wang Hong, like the internet stars, and actually I have found. A lot of inspirations from them, like for example, like a lot of them are, wouldn't really call themselves feminist activists or LGBT activists, but you could tell that they have that value system. There were some people, some some men who are very good at making makeups. They have like a lot of support and like likes from the audience because they were so skillful and they were so like charismatic. And they are not really talking about LGBT issues, but people like them, and then they started to like this this new image. Of what a man should be and what a woman should be. So I think like that's also another way that we as activists could could try to do than just trying to like punch the idea out, kind of do it in a more subtle, more pop culture way, so that people will actually buy in those ideas. Yeah, what you mentioned remind me of the uh, the term IP, right? Yeah. Yeah, we try to find some IP uh, in trans community, and we want. Them to do some makeup and edit it as a short video and put online and do some um, like a series videos and have their own programs. Yeah, we are doing this and still not sure if it will be successful or not. I think it's imp it's a strategy to like focus on the new generation. Like、mm -hmm. first, like we have to admit we cannot change the government. Or the old older generation, like there has been this ongoing,、uh, this recent hot discussion about the CCTV. They they invited some new pop stars on a very important show that all the children who attend school were required to watch. And then there was this this, this like huge split up discussion about like all the older people. They think like it's so inappropriate that they have this like too feminine men. 
pop stars there. They think it's like very bad role model, and they were like saying all these bad words about them. But also the older young generation are saying like you are outdated, and we love them, and they are just masculine, even though they dance in a certain way or whatever. So like I think it's important to like. Recognize our right audience, and they are also they are they are the future. So we don't always have to be like so pessimistic about the current market because it's more about the new market that we should be targeting now. Okay, so you're basically waiting for the older generation to die out. Okay, <laughs> that seems like the best revolutionary plan. Now,、uh, joke us out. Is there when I was、uh, researching for today's show, and you look at the Wikipedia page of LGBT in China, then I was realizing on the Paragraph: Famous people, famous gay people. Everyone is from Hong Kong, basically. Is there any really young, famous Chinese mainland Chinese people who identify themselves as LGBT or feminist, or do they just don't dare say anything too political? Very famous、mm, people,、yeah. but they're just not that famous. Yeah,、you、like、know. we we call them Wang Hong. Some of them. Yeah, they, but then we're talking about internet celebrities. I'm talking、yeah. like、uh, someone who is like a like a triple A star in movie or like a really famous singer. When I mean famous, I mean Hollywood famous. But the famous, you know, the one Jin Xing. Jin Xing. But I think she was also kind of a bit controversial in a way. Yeah. So I think it's you know like、uh, that's why I think she was she, as a. Herself, like she's famous. No matter what she do, like people know where she's from. You Can、know? you say who she is, please? She's a transgender、um, contemporary dance artist who is very famous. And after she has turned into a woman, she just like started to become a host. But like she doesn't really talk about her her trans background. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like that's the only person who is like famous. And trends, but the shows that she's hosting, the way I see it, it's really traditional love. So she's like hosting a show where the contestants are meeting other potential date people, and the parents are helping them making their choice. I think, I mean, as a Westerner, I think this is a really interesting program. But yet, at the same thing, it's kind of ridiculous at some point. I mean, I would never agree to my parents to have a say about who I'm dating. So I think it's really interesting that the most famous LGBT person in China is actually making a show on CCTV, which is really traditional. Yeah, that's why people criticize me about her. Like, you know, this is why she's she's not really kind of model of like a LGBT community, but she is a famous person as LGBT itself. Like, you know.、Yeah. Actually, I, I thought of something pretty special about China. It's like when we have this like historic, this traditional art, like Peking Opera. I think a lot of people have heard about it. But like in the, this this art, there is this tradition about like about like transgender dress up. It's about like men playing women and women playing men. What has happened? Happens like it actually kind of like like make the beauty standard kind of flexible. Cause in China right now we have this pretty famous celebrity called Wang Peiyu, who is a ma- a female that play male characters on stage, and she has been invited to a lot of the famous TV shows. And she doesn't really call herself a trans person, but she always portrays herself as a very gender neutral person. And also the way she talks and the, her her acting style are all very masculine, and people don't really talk about her sexual orientation. But she has got very accepted by people from all different kind of age group. So I think like that's kind of a way 
to approach things in China is like you don't really talk about in a political vocabulary, but more from like a cultural way. When like you don't have to understand us, but as long as you can appreciate the beauty, that's fine too. But this is probably not fair for people who are not beautiful. Yeah, because that's like a limitation for this kind of approach. Yeah, but I think that's something that people tend to neglect in in China. It's also important factors like.、Uh... There's so many LGBT famous people, but they cannot really out in China.、Mm. Even the out, the newspaper will never pick up. So you know, even those people are going to be out, and you will never heard it because they won't have a chance to be out there. If I remember the number, it's like five percent of LGBT come out in China. If I remember, only five percent of like among like the people who take the survey. Yeah. Yeah.、Uh, I think one interesting thing is that the People, the the celebrities, singers or film stars, perhaps they will spot LGBT in public, but most of them not at LGBT at all.、Uh, in the center, we we interviewed Shang Wenjie and another singer. I can't remember the name, but they are not LGBT at all. They just think that it's right, so they just say something for LGBT. I heard once this like a famous、uh, female actress want to come out in Jinxing's show, and Jinxing just told her no. <gasps> Even you come out, I cannot show this part. Oh my! Yeah, it's like they first. It's like they were like people say they shouldn't do it, and if they have done it, they will get like kind of cut out from the industry when there wouldn't be any media coverage on them anymore. Wow! After such good news, gossip time. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to ask you. This is the last question. What do you hope, or what do you think, will be the next five years regarding all of those subjects? I think for trans community, we found out here still so many trans they haven't come out. They haven't found any group or organizations. Uh, which work for L、uh, work for trans. So, I think the next step for us is to try to make some shows or some live streamings only for trans community. They can come to us to watch it or even contact with us, so that we can build this connection first. Then they can gradually learn something or even kind of self empowerment. I'm not sure about public yet. Perhaps much later. <laughs> Such a big question. I don't know. I, you know, I. Of course, I. I hope we can change in so many ways.、Uh, but、uh, I do think important for NGO and also the quite a difficult part for us to how we can keep our critical. Like position, how we use our critical position, because you know we're losing this position because you know that you have to register. If you not register, maybe you know you that they won't let you like do anything. So I think we have so many things to to fight to to work on it. But I think, of course, for me, I think important like a in the end, everybody like who. I don't know who listen this show or who are care about like civil society, who care about like a like a you know like a better society. I think they have to do a better person themselves.
not just us, you know, to push. I think everyone, they have to think about what kind of society they want, what kind of society they want to live. I think then we can figure out how we can work together. Otherwise, I don't think, you know, the one organization can change the world. It's like, uh, there's no way we can do that. Then maybe art is different. Because <laughs> uh, recently I'm kind of in this, in this position when I actually stop calling for public but more for my own because I think like to our government or like to a situation like I'm not really criticizing anyone right now because I knew that it's so complicated. It's like I don't think anyone is, is intentionally trying to make things this bad but it just kind of turned out bad after all of us like doing different kind of thing. So it's I can I can never really like hope or expect or predict what's going to happen in the on the larger scale. But like as for me, I knew for me, I, I just want to become like a more skillful resourceful person i have like agenda in like a lot of different subjects like i do education i do like sustainability issues and like feminism like all of them and i just want to be able to use my my skills to produce more work that will try to lead more people in this direction and i'm not really expecting there to be a lot or that i I will have definitely become successful but i would just kind of keep doing it and also becoming better at it. Yeah, talking about media or the work in the future, I'm thinking about pink economy. Is that the right word? Mm. Yeah. And um, I think perhaps is, here's another way that you try to really sell your own products and uh, you, you can survive or you can avoid censorship from government. But still, it's also very critical and the people... I'm still not sure if it's right way for NGOs to the to do the pink economy. Yeah, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of doing that already. The the because it's pink economy is like with the female class, like the the social class with like because people are making money now and they're like people have a lot of consumption power that we can decide what we want to buy and like for example, I think like with pink economy, like one thing I want to do is try to. By, like women buy more vibrators <laughs> yeah and i think that will that that's definitely a profitable market and direction to go yeah but it's also like kind of complicated in terms of what happen after that because it's about like sexual liberation and it's like there's also a social class difference so it's 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 one direction that has happened in the in the overall environment but Definitely not the only one. Yeah. Uh, and the last part of the show. So now we're going to see who is the most knowledgeable among our guests. I'm going to ask three questions. When you know the answer, you buzz with your name. There, there is nothing to win. It's just... Uh... Oh, no way. No, I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first question. Can you give me the name of this Chinese opera written in 1651 telling the story of two women best friends who are actually lovers? No, it's a Chinese opera written in the 17th century, 300 years ago. I forgot. Yes, exactly. It's Lian Xiang Ban. The Fragrant Companion. Yeah. Well, I have no idea at all. <laughs> One point for Xiao Half a point. Okay, she's a revolutionary feminist and a writer. She studied in Japan uh, before coming to China. She was born in the 19th century. Then she joined her cousin. She plotted a revolt in Anhui province against the Qing dynasty. 
But then she got caught. Chu Jin. Yeah, and so this revolutionary Chu Jin, then she was executed in 1907, and she was only 32 years old. And she's,、uh, if I'm not mistaken, right now, yeah, she has like a, a museum, and the government sees as sees her as a pre-revolutionary,、mm, a pioneer, a pioneer. And we always talk if she's lesbian or not. Yeah, <laughs> we discuss about that gossip. <laughs> Okay, last question. Who is the owner of Grinder? Actually, Chinese company called、uh, Kunlun Taozi something.、Yeah. Yes, exactly.、Uh, his name is Zhou Yahui. He's the owner of Beijing Kunlun Tech, a company specializing in technology and games, and he bought the majority shareholder for ninety-three million dollars. Wow. And actually, about traditional love, this guy divorced, and he paid his ex-wife one billion dollar. Wow. <laughs> On those good words, we'll wrap up the show. Thank you all of you for coming, and thank you, dear listeners, for sticking until the end credits. Middle Earth is produced by Crafty Pandas, your production service in China. In case you have a film, a documentary, or a news project related to the Middle Kingdom, drop us an email at craftypandas.com and see how we can set up a win-win cooperation. This show was written and edited by Aladdin Faré, co-produced by Kaiser Guo, remixed by Mu, music by Sean Calvo. Research by Zishan. Design by Brandon Gonzalez. A big thanks to JD who connected me to some of the guests. If you want to connect, you can take a look at Middle Earth podcast on LinkedIn, Facebook, or WeChat. Then drop us a like or tell us what subject you would like to hear about. I guess all of you already have a podcast application, but if you don't want to miss the coming show or listen to the old one, you can subscribe to our feed wherever you usually get your shows. And please do consider leaving a like or a comment. Always help with the algorithm and our ego. Otherwise, hope to see you next time. Have a nice day. Bye bye.